Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Wrestle Life Radio. I am your solo host again this week, or this Friday actually, um, by myself again. I am Kyle Polly. Matt is too busy setting up some Dungeons and Dragons stupid game. And Chris is off playing volleyball or something somewhere on a beach, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, who cares? It's me this week again. Just got done watching Friday Night Smackdown. I will tell you all about it. But first, it's time for This Day in Wrestling History. And uh, this this day in wrestling history, October 25th, 1998. One of the most infamous or famous, depending on how you look at it, pay-per-views of all time. WCW Halloween Havoc, 1998. Uh, famous probably because Bill Goldberg, WCW champion, had one of his best matches of his career. And he was going up against... One of the best ever, one of the best, biggest WWE superstars, one of the biggest, well, not WWE superstars, one of the biggest WCW superstars of all time, Diamond Dallas Page, the challenger. Probably the best match of both their careers. They put on a great match. Actually, now that I remember it, it was a great match. I would I'd recommend all of you, if you haven't seen it, go on the network and find it and watch it. But if you're watching it live on pay-per-view back in 1998, uh, you would know that you didn't see all this match. Uh, in famous WCW fashion, uh, they screwed up. They screwed up big time. Uh, basically, they ran out of time on uh, the because back in the day we had these things called pay per views, and you couldn't just stream whatever and go over whatever time limits. You had a strict time limit to run for pay per views, and they went over, and they just cut the match off halfway through. Uh, so if you're watching it live, you didn't get to see it all. And actually, there was a guy who worked with my dad. He was a giant Goldberg fan. Like, he, he wasn't even that big a wrestling fan. He just loved Goldberg. And he just he, he just wanted to watch Goldberg wrestle. So he bought this pay-per-view just to see Goldberg versus Don Dallas Page because everybody knew it was a big match. And, I mean, there were several times in the match people thought DDP was going to win. And I think he probably should have won, but, uh, you know, that's another hero there. They were watch, He was watching this match. And he was so furious when it just shut off in the middle of the match. And he paid only to see Goldberg and he didn't get to see the name of the match. And this was not back in the day when you could just go pull up on Twitter later or, you know, even just go Google the results. No, he just went to bed that night. No, not knowing what happened at all. Some fans were lucky enough to see the next night on Nitro. They replayed the match uh, for free because they screwed up so bad. In WCW fashion, they had something good that went horribly wrong. But that's not the most infamous thing on this show. One of the most infamous things in wrestling history that happened on this show. Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior Part 2. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, I saw the first match, Kyle. I didn't see the second one. I saw the first one, and it was great. Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, the Clash of the Champions. Not the pay-per-view, but... Intercontinental Champion versus World Heavyweight Champion in WWE or WWF at the time. It's had this awesome storyline building from the Royal Rumble. Champion versus Champion, main event of WrestleMania. How could this go wrong? Well, that match didn't go wrong. But I'll tell you, this rematch went wrong. It was so horrible. They were a lot older, a lot slower, just all around bad. If you want to go watch it on the WWE Network, it's a good example of good and bad on the same show. 
Hogan at one point tried to use a fireball on the Ultimate Warrior, which blew up in his face and singed what little hair he had on his head. Yeah, not good. Uh, the end of the match, Hogan ended up winning because Horace Hogan, if you remember that guy, Horace Hogan hit Warrior with a chair, which allowed Hulk Hogan to sneak out the victory. Of course, Hogan had to get his win back. So a very uh, famous slash infamous pay-per-view, depending on how you look at it. And that was uh, This Day in Wrestling History. So uh, go back and watch that show on the network if you want to. Um, really just for the main event. You don't have to watch Hogan Warrior. But uh, SmackDown this week. Um, obviously, last week I did the State of WWE, which is, uh, like I said, not good. So uh, And then I reviewed SmackDown that happened last week. Also not very good. Had some good matches on it, but just not... It, WWE product just continues to be stale. I'm just not excited. I mean, I look forward to Wednesday nights of the week, really, because uh, as you know, me and Matt review AEW, Chris reviews NXT, but I think both shows are great. They're really entertaining to watch. So let's get into this SmackDown review and just see how uh, how they fare this week. So we start off with Miz TV. Miz comes out, introduces his guests for the night, which are Team Flair and Team Hogan set to clash at Crown Jewel, which I do not care about, but they're still selling this. And I'll tell you what, though. They bring out Ric Flair, Baron Corbin, Shinsuke Nakamura, Sami Zayn, uh, the members of Team Flair that are on this show. Uh, Zayn, not a member of the team, but he's with Nakamura because he's his dedicated translator. God, what was his nickname that he came up with? The Liberator. Um, so he's Shinsuke's Liberator, but he will not be uh, liberating in um, Saudi Arabia, I don't believe. Uh, then we had Hulk Hogan come out with his team members on SmackDown, which were Ali, Roman Reigns, and yes, you guessed it, Shorty G. And just when you thought Shorty G good, <laughs> couldn't get any worse, he comes out in a bright blue slash lime green JV basketball uniform. Like it's, it, Seriously, it's like gym shorts with like a tank top, not even like a singlet or a regular wrestling trunks like he's been wearing and he's just got a big giant G on the front of it with shorty written in the, the letter. I didn't think they could make him look any more like a dork, but I mean, Hey, give WWE credit. They're going to full blown dork with this character. So if you're a fan of dorks, this is the guy for you. Uh, basically Hogan and flair were in the ring, cut awesome promos. Cause they're like 60, 70 years old, probably close to 80. I can't remember how old they are, but then Flair could barely talk at times, but he still cut a better promo than half the guys in this ring could probably cut. And Hogan, you know, let me tell you something, brother. He was, uh, you know, cutting the Hogan, the Hogan promo. Uh, Jimmy Hart was there as well. I forgot to mention, uh, didn't say a word. He's just there with Hogan, I guess. Uh, we'll see if he goes to Saudi Arabia and gets a big old fat check for it. But basically they're going back and forth. Flair said that, you know, there's no way Hogan could beat his team. He just added uh, Drew McIntyre to the team, so they're unstoppable. Hogan says, let me tell you something, dude. It basically goes on to say that he noted that Flair never beat him. And he he pointed out the uh, that Shorty G had the heart of a lion, that, you know, nobody had the skills that Ali and Ricochet had. And then uh, he name-dropped Junkyard Dog or JYD, which I've – I have a feeling half the audience probably wouldn't know who he's talking about. But he said, like J- JYD used to say, uh, you could take a 
bite out of somebody or something like that. He made a bone reference and basically said, you know, introduced the big dog and said that, you know, Roman would take a bite out of his team and, you know, all that good stuff. So they just basically bickered back and forth. Shorty G grabbed the mic at one point. Um, oh, actually, Sami Zayn grabbed the mic and was making fun of Shorty G, you know, more short jokes. And then Shorty G <laughs> grabbed the mic and was like, you know what? I am short, but, you know, I'm happy with myself, blah, blah, blah. I rolled my eyes about a hundred times. It was just, it, it, it reminds me of the Nia Jax, like, you know, when Alexa Bliss was the bully and she came out, you know, was trying to say, you know, be happy in your own body, blah, blah, blah. And all the fans were booing her. I mean, I think if they, if they didn't like Gable as much as they did, they'd probably just be booing him out of the building, but I guess they're not here. Um, so he, he said, you know, he's sure, but you know, he's, He's happy with who he is and, you know, all that good stuff. Ali uh, was able to point out that uh, Sami Zayn is just a mouthpiece and not even a wrestler. Uh, Corbin just bragged about being king and ruling with an iron fist. Then Roman Reigns mocked him for thinking he's a king, noted that uh, his crown and cape are stupid. He said he wants to punch Corbin in the face. And Shorty G's like, yeah, let's let's knock some faces. Let's punch some faces or something like that. They weren't wanting to, you know, fight or whatever. Hogan stepped in and he's like, whoa, 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 brother. He's like, let's, you know, there's three of you and three of us. Why don't we have ourselves a tag team match? Basically tries to set up a main event for a, a three on three. And while Hogan was mocking the heels, saying he accepted the challenge, but uh, he claimed he uh, tweaked his neck on the flight over and wouldn't be able to wrestle. So he said he had a replacement. Cesaro comes out. They were all happy to have Cesaro on the team. And you know what? I love Cesaro, but if you're going just based on story, this guy has lost match after match the last couple of weeks since, uh, you know, he started wearing the capris and, you know, doing all this stuff. So why would you even be intimidated by him? But uh, they all brawled, had a fight. Uh, Shorty G hit a, hit a dive on the outside. Ali hit a suicide dive. They all got, in a, all, you know, all got in the ring together and stood tall. And then backstage, we had Kofi Kingston and Big E making their way to the ring, and they uh, were talking to Xavier Woods on an iPad. Xavier Woods obviously got hurt. He uh, he got injured at a house show in Australia, I believe. Tore his Achilles or had an Achilles injury. He just had surgery on it, and he's going to be out for a while, apparently. But as soon as I heard this news, as soon as I heard it, I just shook my head. Uh, obviously, because you don't want anybody to get hurt in this business, but... I also shook my head because I just knew Kofi's never going to get that title back. At least no time soon. Because I was like, I just know for a fact they're going to want the New Day as a tag team. And with no Xavier Woods to team with Big E, Kofi's the only guy left. So, And what do they do? First week, Bobbert Roode and Dolph Ziggler go up against the New Day, Kofi Kingston and Big E. Uh, this was basically just a nothing match. It, it like literally meant absolutely nothing. They're obviously talking about the, um, <laughs> I, I, I forgot what the name is. Cause I, I wrote it down in my notes last week. I did not write it down this week, but that ridiculously long name. That's like for the world cup or some stupid, some stupid like that, a tag team turmoil match for the world cup to determine the best team in the world. Uh, the best team of all time or some, you know, the most epic sounding title of all time. They tried to make it. Uh, it's basically a teeter for that. Um, it was fine for what it was. I like Ziggler and Rude as a team, honestly, but 
And, I mean, they've, they're good heels, but I mean, it meant nothing. It was just, you know, nothing happened in the match. Basically, um, at the end of the match, Biggie knocked Rude off the apron, threw Kofi Kingston over the top rope onto Ziggler. Um, Rude caught Biggie with a spine buster, but Kingston uh, was able to knock Rude out of the ring. And then Ziggler just rolled him up from behind and got the pinfall. And Kofi just sat up and was like, that was three. Oh, man. And uh, Ziggler and Rude rolled to the outside. They're all happy they won. Immediately cut to a TV that was in the back that showed the B team watching the TV for some reason. And I believe they showed uh, Lucha House Party as well watching the match uh, on TV backstage. And WWE does this weird thing too where they've got the TV sitting there. And it's at an angle you can, so you can see what's on it. And then they have everybody standing like beside it with their head turned watching it. Because you got to see their face. you got to see like the front of them. And it's the dumbest looking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> They've been doing this for years. And it's so stupid. And every now and then somebody will just like break the rules and, you know, watch the, you know, the TV like a normal person. But not here. B-team. And, of course, they had to show off their awesome shirts. Their Sharpie shirts. And Lucha House Party were all creaking their necks to watch this, you know, nothing match. It, it was so nothing. I'll tell you how, how nothing it was. After Kingston it rolls up, basically the New Day's music hit. I mean, I'm uh, sorry, Revival's music hit. And they ran out and started attacking New Day. Just, you know, they're like, okay. So New Day's in the ring fighting them. Uh, Ziggler and uh, Bobbert Roode join in. They start, you know, attacking New Day. Then Heavy Machinery, they come out. Uh, they make the save. And uh, uh, Tucker runs out, but I actually rewound this because Otis running down the ramp to make the save was the funniest thing. <laughs> He's just fill, filling his arms. If you ever seen um, uh, Saquon Barkley when he scored a touchdown or something, he'll run through the end zone and flail his arms and like wave him like a windmill. That's basically what Otis was doing, running down the ring. So he runs in, they rip their shirts off, they all you know clear the ring. The baby faces stand tall in the end, essentially. So I was sitting here after this and I was thinking, okay, this match meant absolutely nothing. Why couldn't you just have the New Day win? Why did it have to be a roll-up by Ziggler? I mean, they stood tall at the end of the match anyway. So who cares? Like just Kofi Kingston was, they, and they even said it. He's just recently was the WWE champion, not even a month ago. And Dolph Ziggler just rolled him up in the ring and beat him ahead of this big tag team World Cup match that's going to be on Crown Jewel. <sighs> I have no idea. I've, who knows why they do this? It just doesn't make any sense to me. But uh, they announce, you know, officially that uh, Reigns, Shorty G, and Ali will go up against Baron Corbin, Cesaro, and Nakamura later in the show. And then in the back, we have Rey Mysterio talking to Dominic and Cain Velasquez. So they're all, you know, Chad back there. Dominic, Dominic looks pretty healthy. They recap uh, Tyson Fury and Braun Strowman, which was a pretty awesome video package. Um, you know, I've, I've dropped her name several times on the show. You know, times on the show. My girlfriend was watching uh, with me at this time. We sat down for dinner, basically. We were, you know, we're kind of watching it, and they showed the recap video, and she watched the whole thing. Didn't say a word. Oh, she did say Tyson Fury's eyes look weird at one point for some reason. I guess he was like bug-eyed or something. Uh, but then she didn't say anything else. She just watched it. And at the end of it, it ended. And she was like, that was pretty cool. And I was like, yeah. I mean, they they pretty much always do cool, you know, pretty cool, um, pretty cool hype videos uh, to hype these matches. And yeah, it was great. I mean, 
I don't know how they're going to do this because they they showed up clearly the um, if you if you didn't see Tyson Fury was training at the WWE Performance Center. They posted on their social media on uh, YouTube and everything. He was training, doing shoulder tackles in the ring, knocked some guy down. And basically, while he was running the ropes, Braun Strowman just ran in out of nowhere. Apparently, nobody saw him because he's, you know, he's so stealthy, this big man. He slides in the ring and shoulder tackles Tyson. And Tyson, like, rolls his ankle or something. And so they're selling that Tyson Fury, you know, they don't know his health status. Maybe he has an injured ankle or something. And Braun Strowman's just sitting on the outside. Again, I guess because they are, you know, Becky, you know, just randomly attacking Natalia. That one time people cheered for some stupid reason. And now they just think all the baby faces should do it. But I mean, I guess I'll talk more to that later. But I mean, a total heel move, though. He just traveled all the way down. Tyson's just, you know, not a wrestler. He's a boxer. So he's going to go train at the performance center. He, You know, he's inexperienced. He's trying to feel what it's like to be in the ring. Braun Strowman can't just, you know, take him. You know, while he's healthy, he's got to go randomly attack him. Drove all the way to Florida. I don't know if he lives in Florida. Maybe he does. Drove all the way to the performance center just to shoulder tackle this dude. Hurt his ankle. So now he's going to have to fight a wounded Tyson Fury. What a big man Braun Strowman is. So anyway, uh, Corey Graves actually noted that uh, a source claimed that Fury was going to be ready for Crown Jewel. But they're, like I said, talking about the uh, possible ankle uh, injury here. Then we had... uh, Another stupid, pointless match. Chris and Matt's favorite squash match. We had uh, some girl standing in the ring, Cameron Connors. And then Lacey Evans comes out. This was like, I feel like this is worse than a typical, like a Viking Raiders squash match. I can't even, I can't talk right now uh, on a podcast. (laughs) It was pretty terrible for uh, squash match uh, standards. Um, Basically what happened was Evans comes out. She's got her, you know, get up on. She gets in the ring and she says, I'm too, you know, I'm too good. I'm too, you know, you're not worthy of competition, basically talking to Connors. So she basically says she didn't want to face her and embarrass her or even compete in Kansas. And, you know, all the fans were booing. So she was like, so I'm just going to leave. And I was like, okay, she can just try and leave and maybe – that, you know, Connors can attack her or something, and then she'll want to fight her or something. Or hit her, give her a cheap shot, and then they ring the bell and she pins her. No, she just says, go ahead and ring the bell, ref. I'm just going to leave anyway. So the the ref rings the bell, the match starts, and she just gets out of the ring and starts walking away. And I'm like, so your plan is to get counted out and lose to this girl? I mean, because that'll be a loss getting out of the ring and running away and getting, I mean, it, it just made zero sense of like what her motivation was. I mean, what they ended up doing was Cameron was an idiot and she's like getting all excited that she's actually going to win a match and is counting with the referee and then just like turned her back and is like counting with the crowd. And she got, you know, overly excited, I guess. And Evans like at nine just takes off running and slides back in the ring and just immediately punches Connors and pins her. But it was just like, the setup was so stupid. And I mean, it obviously wasn't even a match. She just punched her and, you know, pinned her. And that was, you know, Lacey Evans. And wasn't she a babyface a couple weeks ago, if I recall correctly? I mean, she's somebody Natalia, you know, had the utmost respect for, right? 
and she came out and they wanted you to cheer both of them over uh, Asuka and Kyrie Sane. But now she's back to being uh, the Southern Belle, horrible heel that she is. Uh, my girlfriend was also watching this match. And at the end, she just said, I don't like her about uh, Lacey Evans. So then we next we had uh, Michael Cole interviewing Nikki Cross. This was um, also just really awkward. I So when Nikki Cross first debuted on the main roster, well, when she first debuted in NXT, she was with Sanity and she was a crazy person. And her her gear, you know, is the same gear. Her entrance is the same entrance. It's all like crazy person Nikki Cross. And she does act crazy sometimes. But when she debuted on the main roster, she met up with Alexa Bliss. And she was some giddy little super fan who was so excited. And it was just like not the character she was before, obviously. And it was horrible. But you know what? She eventually made it work and kind of turned it into, you know, she was happy. But she's still kind of crazy. Like she kind of crept back into being crazy and P, you know, she's getting over. People were liking it. This interview did nothing for her. It's like she took two steps back because she gave like the most awkward, giddy interview. I mean, she was smiling and happy the whole time. Cole was, he, he quoted Bailey from last week where she said everybody, in the women's division was just lazy and unmotivated and blah, blah, blah. And Nikki was like, well, she's, you know, she thinks we're all lazy and unmotivated. She just, you know, doesn't want to hold that title, but I'll do her favorite. I'll take the title from her or something like that. And, but she was just like giddy and laughing the whole time. She said she's facing Mandy Rose tonight and she's excited. She says Mandy's gorgeous, like a lot of women. It's just very strange, like clearly written for her to be this like giddy character and just horrible. Like I just hated every minute of it. Uh, I like Nikki Cross as a worker and I mean, she's a good crazy person, but this giddy version of her where she's like, you know, la- or nervous to talk, like it was just the most awkward segment. So uh, she's going to face Mandy Rose later. They recapped Seth Rollins burning down the Firefly Funhouse, said that they're going to have the return of it tonight, which they've been, you know, talking about, which obviously is the dumbest thing because says just burned down the Firefly Funhouse and apparently Ray just went and rebuilt it. <laughs> just, you know, he said burned it down. He went, you know, went to Home Depot or Lowe's and stocked up on some plywood and some two by fours and a bunch of tools and just built this Firefly Funhouse again. So it's back just like that, I guess. Um, <laughs> so it was basically... This, you know, Firefly Funhouse was Bray Wyatt hosting a funeral for Rambling Rabbit. Uh, they said, I should say to intro this, um, Cole and Graves introed the Firefly Funhouse, which was fantastic. Um, you could hear the sarcasm in my voice. They said uh, Rambling Rabbit or somebody was lost in the burning of the Firefly Funhouse. So it was Rambling Rabbit. Bray Wyatt's having a funeral for him. And it's got like a little chest there and. The pig is there. Mercy the buzzard is there. Sister Abigail, the puppet or whatever, is there. And basically, Bray cuts you know a eulogy promo for Rambling Rabbit. And then he said that uh, Rambling Rabbit wanted an open casket. So he takes him out of the uh, casket. His head is like split open. It's just weird. I don't know how a burning would split his head open, but sure. He pulls him out of the casket. He kisses him. 
music starts happening and Bray Wyatt's like, Whoa, what's going on? And apparently Bray Wyatt's kiss has magic powers because it brings rambling rabbit back to life. He's all whole and new. And he's like, Whoa, dude. Basically his moment of life was uh, cut short again because mercy, the buzzer just grabbed him and ate him. And Bray was like, Oh mercy. Well, bye. And that was the end of it. Mm. Okay. <laughs> this was like the last segment that, uh, my girlfriend was sitting on the couch with me for, and uh, this was another segment. She actually didn't say anything. It started. She watched it. And at the very end of it, she looked at me with like these crazy eyes. It was like, what the hell was that? <laughs> I mean, obviously, if you don't know the Firefly Funhouse, it's strange. But even this episode like wasn't that great. It made like not a whole lot of sense because... Seth literally just burned down the Firefly Funhouse. Apparently, it's just back. It was whatever. Uh, you know, one of the one of my you know least the least enjoyable to me Firefly Funhouses. I just it just kind of happened. It's like okay, everybody's back except the rabbit, I guess. And he just said, "We'll see you at Crown Jewel." And we're moving on. So next we had Drew Gulak standing in the ring, which means he's going to die. Uh, but it wasn't Braun Strowman that came out again. Uh, it was Kalisto and the uh, Lucha House Party. So they come out and I'm thinking, you know, they're going to be in this tag match. They just showed them watching TV. Obviously, Drew Gulak's a loser. Uh, they just established last week. So Kalisto's going to come out and beat him. But of course, before the match actually started, Gulak grabs the mic and says, I want to reintroduce myself. I'm former Cruiserweight champion of like, you know, several months, but who cares? Drew Gulak, and he said he's going to continue his PowerPoint presentation from last week regarding Tyson Fury and Braun Strowman. So he brings up the slideshow, and uh, I'm pretty sure he he must have revised this presentation because uh, slide one is not the exact same slide from slide one of last week. Uh, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I do graphics as a profession. I'm pretty sure this was a different slide, and this was also slide one of like 365 or something like that. Uh, but he started, he actually got into it, got a couple words in, of saying why uh, Braun Strowman was going to get beat by Tyson Fury. But of course, he got interrupted by Kalisto. Uh, it was pretty hilarious because while he was trying to uh, give the presentation, Kalisto was kind of trying to get at him already, but the referee was holding him back. Like, you know, with his hand, was holding him back. And I was just sitting there thinking, man, this referee really wants to see this presentation. He's like, no, no. I didn't get to see it last week. I want to see what he has to say. And you know what I did too? I want to see this presentation. So they should upload it to WWE.com or, you know, put it on Google Drive or something so I could download it. I, I got to see this presentation. And it's illustrated too, so I'll, I'll enjoy it. Uh, basically though, Kalisto jumped Gulak and Gulak actually got some offenses. So uh, he actually set up for his finish. But then Braun Strowman's music hit and Gulak freaks out. And while he's freaked out and while Braun Strowman's walking down the ramp, Kalisto turns him around, hits the Selena Del Sol, and pins him. Uh, as soon as he gets pinned, Strowman jumps in the ring and attacks Gulak, hits him with a running power slam, and he grabs a mic. The fans chant, you know, one more time, one more time. So Strowman doesn't uh, hesitate. He drops the mic, picks him up, and hits him with another power slam. So Gulak's dead in the ring, and Strowman just says, uh, at least Gulak belongs in the ring. Tyson Fury doesn't belong in these ring. So at Crown Jewel... He's going to get these hands. I don't know. Like he said, Tyson didn't belong in the ring and 
it was kind of a heelish promo. And there were part, I mean, obviously when he came out, the fans were cheering. He beat up Gulak, so the fans cheered again. And even though he, you know, ran in and beat somebody who just got beat in a match, but whatever. He power slams him and then he cuts his promo. And like, there are parts in it where fans were like, uh, yay. <laughs> like, they weren't even sure if this guy was supposed to be cheered or booed. And, and I said uh, a couple weeks ago that the four men involved in like the main stories that they're pushing are Cain Velasquez, Brock Lesnar, Tyson Fury, and Braun Strowman. Obviously, I guess Kane signed a full, you know, full-time contract with WWE. So we'll see if how often he actually wrestles after this match. Brock Lesnar, who knows how often he'll wrestle. But Strowman, he's a regular. He's probably the, the one out of all these four who has the most to gain from this match. I thought it was weird to put him up against Fury because Fury's an undefeated boxer. I just don't think he's going to go in and lose. I mean, he's a fan, so maybe, but... You know, I thought, you know, Strowman's played as the babyface here. Maybe they make Tyson Fury a heel. You know, Strowman could get over off this. But no, he uh, he's pr- pretty much playing the heel in this, you know, role. And it's whatever. So I don't know if he's going to get over or what's going to happen, but we'll see, I guess. So basically, after this, uh, Michael Cole says he's going to interview Daniel Bryan. We show uh, Daniel Bryan walking backstage. Then Daniel Bryan comes down to the ring. Michael noted that uh, it's been a couple tough months for Daniel Bryan. Roman Reigns accused him of attacking him. He was betrayed by his best friend, Rowan. Cole also pointed out that um, Daniel Bryan pinned Shinsuke Nakamura last week, but the fans broke out into a yes chant. So he wondered, is the yes chant or the yes movement, is it back? And I'm sitting here thinking, what does that even mean? Because... <laughs> The yes movement, if you, I mean, if you want to even call it anything, the yes movement was when Daniel Bryan was getting buried by the management, you know, in real life, people started just, you know, following Daniel Bryan. So they turned it into the yes movement, which was fans were upset that Bryan was getting screwed. So we're going to have a movement to get him not screwed and he became the champion. The fans were turning yes last week. It's not like he's getting screwed and they have to get behind him. So how is this a movement? Um, they're just calling, I guess it's like the, the WWE universe or, you know, they, they call the fans, the WWE universe. So maybe they just call Daniel Bryan fans, the yes movement. <laughs> they're like, is the yes movement back? Who knows? So the fans broke out in a yes chance. So I guess they think it is back, but before you can answer Sami Zayn and Nakamura come out, uh, Sami Zayn comes, uh, walking down the ramp and he actually shows uh, he did. I believe he said uh, footage from a couple months ago, if I uh, remember correctly. Which, but it was like exactly a year ago, back last November when Daniel Bryan was the uh, WWE champion, and it was the promo where he came out and said, uh, "The Yes Movement is dead," and he, you know, the old Daniel Bryan's dead, and noted that this is the new Daniel Bryan, and uh, which I actually liked that they played back to that, and you know, Sami Zayn asked. I've, he says, I've known you for years, Daniel. You know, the new Daniel Bryan is the real Daniel Bryan. Basically saying like, you know, he cares about the environment. Um, he said Daniel Bryan's a good person. But, uh, you know, but he agreed that people were disgusting. And uh, he felt that Daniel Bryan's too good for these people. And uh, he actually had more common, more in common with Sami Zayn and Nakamura. He said that Sami Zayn was vegan. 
he hated uh, meat and the uh, agricultural, you know, treatment of animals. And, you know, says he hates that. He knows Daniel Bryan hates it. So they have that in common. And then he said, Daniel Bryan also wants to protect the environment, protect the oceans, you know, get all the plastic out of the ocean. And who agrees with that? Nakamura. Nakamura agrees with that. He's a surfer, dude. He, he loves that stuff. So he basically says he's a vegan. Nakamura cares about the planet. We all, we all have a lot in common. And he also says, and we're all three artists. We're, you know, some of the greatest, basically saying they're some of the greatest wrestlers of all time, which is true. And said, you know, Daniel Bryan might be the greatest of them all. Might be the greatest artist to ever step in the ring. So Sami Zayn urged him to move forward past the Yes Movement and join up with Sami Zayn and Nakamura and forget about the fans. And so he offered his hand for a handshake. And Bryan, for the longest time, teased the handshake. And the crowd is going nuts at this point. They're saying, no, don't do it. Don't do it. They're chanting, they're chanting yes. So, you know, like we're in the Yes Movement. And Daniel hesitates, he hesitates, and finally he can't do it. He just walks off in between Nakamura and Sami Zayn. But you know what? It wasn't like, I mean, he didn't attack him. He just walked by him, and he kind of looked concerned. So much so that Sami Zayn and Nakamura kind of smiled a little bit. They're like, I think we got to him. Because they probably were thinking he's going to join or restart the Yes Movement, you know, go back to the, you know, being the baby face that he was before, but we talked him back down, which, you know, we're bringing him over to our side. So, you know, Sami Zayn and Nakamura see this as an absolute win. I really like this segment. I thought it was, they had a callback to something that had happened in the past. You know, they were real. They said, you know, we, we have a lot more in common than, you know, you think. And, you know, it was obviously a heel thing to do, but he was right. You know, he said, you know, Daniel, you care about the environment. You're vegan. You're just like us to so join us. And, you know, now, you know, they're teasing Daniel Bryan's got a decision to make. He's going to, you know, think about it and we'll see what happens next week. I actually, I actually want to see what's going on. And who would have thought? I mean, I gave the future endeavor a couple of weeks ago to uh, Zayn and Nakamura because they were so horrible, you know, in the role they were doing. But I liked him in this segment. I wish Nakamura would say something and not just stand there and nod. And I wish Sami Zayn would wrestle and not just be his liberator all the time. But hey, as far as the segment, you know, in a vacuum, I love this. I like this segment a lot. So we'll see what happens next week. Basically, uh, after that, Hulk Hogan was speaking with his team members in the back. And then after that, we had Nikki Cross going up against Mandy Rose with Sasha and Bailey joining the commentary team. So basically, this match was whatever. Mandy Rose basically had the advantage early. She hit Nikki Cross with a forearm for a near fall. Uh, Mandy Rose slowed down the pace, got a chin lock in, obviously. She tossed uh, Nikki Cross to the floor. Sonya Deville hit her on the outside with her right hand. Mandy Rose got another near fall. Basically, Nikki Cross started making her uh, comeback. She fired up, hit a bulldog and cross body. Tried to, uh, Mandy Rose tried to roll Cross up, but she was able to roll through. She stood up, hit her nip breaker for a win. That was it. Cross and Bailey had a stare down after the match, and that was that. So, yeah, Nikki Cross... Bad promo at the beginning of the show and this match was whatever. I kind of wish they would bring it back Alexa and like let her be by her side at least and, you know, let her cut some promos together. I mean, Sasha is by Bailey's side. So, yeah, I don't know why Bliss is now here. They haven't said she's injured or anything. So, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe she'll show up at Crown Jewel. Who knows? Oh, wait, they're not doing it there. So, uh, Ric Flair basically spoke to his team members in the back after this. 
After this, we had uh, Rey Mysterio and Cain Velasquez making their way down the ring. Basically, Rey Mysterio recapped, you know, Brock Lesnar attacking his son, saying it broke his heart to see his son in pain, but he knew Dominic was a Mysterio because of how he fought through it, and he was doing better. <laughs> he kind of made it sound like he was still like in the hospital or something. But, I mean, they showed Dominic earlier, and he looked pretty good to me, so wasn't it like a neck brace or anything, so he was fine. Mysterio thanked the fans for the support of his son, and uh, he said Dominic still vows to be a wrestler. And then Mysterio turned his attention to Lesnar, said he promised Velasquez was going to drop him and put a scar on the other side of his face. And then he called out Lesnar to come face-to-face with Velasquez. But instead, Heyman and Lesnar appear on the big screen. And uh, Heyman informed Mysterio that Velasquez, uh, informed Mysterio and Velasquez that Lesnar uh, had important things to do and he wasn't going to come face-to-face with Kane. And uh, he asked him if they could guess what Lesnar is busy doing. And they wouldn't answer. He uh, he he said, "What you know? What are you, guess what they're doing? Where they're doing it, or something like that." And he said, "Okay, well, maybe you can guess who or whatever. I forget what it was." He basically tried to you know make them play a guessing game, and they wouldn't do it. So then Heyman noted uh, he was going to give them a spoiler, and they pan the camera down, and Lesnar has destroyed Dominic once again. His shirt's all torn, he's bruised up, and he's holding him there, and. Like Cody Rhodes said on AEW, it was like there was an invisible barrier between them t- the two because Mysterio and Velasquez just stood there in the ring for like, f- you know, 20, 30 seconds, <laughs> just staring at the screen like, oh my God, Dominic's dead. Oh my God, what are we going to do? And just looking around. And then, you know, after Lesnar dropped him, then they decided to get out of the ring and go uh, run to the back. I guess seeing him, you know, destroyed, put them in shock for a minute. Or, you know, their body, they were ridden with rigor mortis and they couldn't move and go save Dominic. But basically, uh, they run to the back. We go to commercial. We come back. They're in the trainer's room. The doctors are checking on Dominic and Velasquez and Mysterio are standing over him. The referee, or the, uh, sorry, the doctor is looking at him. And it's it's just like a, you know, a doctor looking at the guy on a training table. But they're acting like it's they're in the emergency room. And, you know, Dominic's about to lose his life and Kane and uh, Mysterio are just like, you know, hanging over him and bothering him. He's like, give me some room. Give me some room. It's like, for what? (laughs) You're just looking at him. So Dominic just laid on the table while the referee looked at him or the uh, doctor. Sorry. Might as well have been a ref because he was just standing in his black shirt. So while they're looking at him, Mysterio and Velazquez distraught. Lesnar runs in and hits Mysterio with a trash can. And he hits Kane with a trash can. And starts beating him up. Mysterio jumps on his back out of nowhere like a spider monkey. And uh, Lesnar picks him up. F5s him basically into a wall. Then he picks up Kane and F5s him onto Dominic, onto the train table. Kane like immediately fell off and nearly fell on his head. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> he's like, not even going to make it to Crown Jewel at this point. Because uh, he's either going to break his neck or he's going to get up and kill Brock Lesnar for throwing him like a ragdoll. So yeah, that's basically what happened. And then uh, they come back from a commercial. I believe this happened before the main event. And they just basically had a close-up of Velasquez. And he just spoke a bunch of Spanish and said, I think they said it translated something like, uh, he's going to kill Brock Lesnar. Um, he, he said, Brock Lesnar. And he would say some Spanish words. And I don't speak Spanish at all. So I had no idea what he was talking about. They do know Kane can speak English, right? Because Mysterio has been his mouthpiece. It's not like Nakamura where 
He's Japanese. He speaks Japanese as his first language. English is his second language, but he's not that good at it. No, Cain Velasquez can speak perfect English. I don't know why he can't just speak. English. I mean, I'm I'm not saying like, oh, you got to speak English. This is America. <laughs> no, not like that. But mix it up. Like, I mean, Mysterio does it. He comes out. It's perfectly fine. He'll, you know, he'll say a line in Spanish and then, you know, basically repeat it in English and, you know, continue with his promo. Kane couldn't tell us that he wanted to kill Brock Lesnar. Oh, okay. So it was just very awkward. And it, it's so strange because I, I'm not so sure these segments are working that well. Both for Kane and Ty. I feel like Tyson Fury has been a little bit better because he's more charismatic than Kane Velasquez. Kane Velasquez in UFC was never a Conor McGregor or, you know, big personality or anything. Um, he was always pretty even keel, like, you know, didn't say much, just, you know, did all his talking with his fists in the octagon. So I don't know, like when Mike Tyson came back during the uh, Attitude Era and was the special enforcer, they put him on the mic like one time. And what did he do? That was the you know infamous calling Stone Cold Steve Austin cold stone several times. It's just like, didn't you learn your lesson? Like Kane Velasquez, though he has been on the mic in real life, he's not really he's still green. He doesn't have you know experience cutting a promo on live television, you know, to a WWE audience. He's you know barely had any in ring experience, but here he is, you know, with a camera in his face, and he has to act angry. And say he's going to kill Brock Lesnar in Spanish. And it's just so awkward. It just seems unbelievable. And trust me, I know Kane probably really could and would totally kill Brock Lesnar if he really wanted to. But I sure didn't believe it from this promo he cut. And Tyson Fury, the same. Like like I said, he's done a lot better with it. But they're, I mean, they're expecting these guys. Like I said, Tyson back in the day, he was the enforcer. He was the big name they brought in. But at the end of the day, it was Shawn Michaels versus Steve Austin. Here, they've got two main event matches on Crown Jewel, and they're like not even like in a tag match or any support. It's singles match, Cain Velasquez versus Brock Lesnar, and Tyson Fury versus Braun Strowman. I mean, good luck putting on a good match here. I just don't have my, you know, my hopes up. But anyway, so for the main event of the show, we had the promised. Roman Reigns, Ali, and Shorty G with Hulk Hogan and Jimmy Hart up against Shinsuke Nakamura, King Corbin, and Cesaro with Ric Flair and Sami Zayn. So Shorty G comes out in his JV basketball little kid gear, blue and neon ring gear, like I said before. And it wasn't just me saying it. And I actually stole the junior varsity uh, jersey line because – that's what Cole and Graves were saying during commentary the whole time. So they're just burying him as he's in the ring. You know, he's still trying to be Chad Gable by having all his transitions and stuff and, you know, being a good in-ring wrestler. But I don't care. Like, he's Shorty G now. He's not Chad Gable anymore. I just do not care. I don't want to cheer for him. I don't want to see him in the main event. I just don't care. I really don't. Like he's wearing this stupid outfit. Like he's just never going to get over. I, if he gets over with this, if the fans are like chanting Shorty G and he's like in the main event of WrestleMania, Shorty G, I don't know. We'll see. I'm, but t- for me, this is just dead. And so he comes out in his, you know, new blue and neon gear. 
babyface again in the ring. They're all standing in the corner facing the heels. And the bell rings. And the heels just charge across the ring and just start beating them up. <laughs> like they didn't see them run across the ring, or they didn't feel them starting to run across the ring and turn around and, you know, brace themselves, or they just, you know, got jumped immediately. So the heels start, you know, beating them up. Reigns is able to make a comeback for his team. Uh, but the heels regain control and they basically isolate Ali on their side of the ring. Uh, Ali was able to fight back and hit a rolling X factor at one point uh, until Corbin attacked him on the floor. They got a commercial break and then we come back from the break. Heels are still on Ali, beating him down, cutting him off and putting him in the corner. Uh, he attempted a tornado DDT at one point and Cesaro held on. Ali cut, recovered and was able to hit the DDT. And then Shorty Gable, <laughs> here he comes. He gets the hot tag. He comes in and runs wild. He hits a swinging net breaker, a moonsault on Corbin. For a near fall, he uh, does a roll through and gets an ankle lock on Corbin. But Nakamura, you know, runs in, makes a save. Corbin and Nakamura attempt a double suplex on Shorty G, but he fought back, hit a missile drop kick on both of them from the top rope. Reigns got the tag, came in and hit a. Well, basically Cesaro was going to put him in an R bar, but Reigns picked him up and you know hit him with a sit down power bomb for a near fall. He attempted a Superman punch, but. Cesaro caught him and slammed his head like on the mat, which is like it hurt. Caught him for the big swing, which I don't know if I've seen in a while. I can't remember if he's done it recently or not, but hits the big swing, locked immediately locked in a sharpshooter. It looked like Roman Reigns is basically going to tap if nobody saved him, but Ali came in and made the save. Basically, everybody hit their big move. Uh, I think uh, Corbin came in, hit the deep six on Ali. Shorty Gable hit a drop kick, sent Cor- or a Corbin of the top rope. Nakamura came in and um, hit the uh, Kinshasa. Roman Reigns hit the Superman punch on Nakamura. And basically he was about to attempt a spear on uh, Cesaro, but Cesaro hit a knee and an uppercut for a two count. Cesaro hit a springboard off the second rope, but Reigns caught him, was able to hit the spear. But instead of going for the actual cover, Reigns walked over and tagged Ali and let him hit the 450 splash. And uh, they picked up the win. So... Team Hogan picks up a win here, and they're marching into Crown Jewel with a win under their belt. Um, we'll see how they answer on Raw, because I think Crown Jewel is its not this weekend. It's next week, I believe. I can't remember, because uh, I really don't care when it is. I'm not going to watch it. So, But the Babyfaces pick up a win here, so that's good. So we'll see where it goes. Um, SmackDown as a show overall, though. I don't know. It was just boring to me. That's, that's what I told Matt because we were talking throughout. He he was watching it too before he went off and played with his little Dungeons and Dragons game. But I just thought it was boring. There there was as far as wrestling goes as well. There, I mean, let's see. There was the Kofi uh, Kingston Biggie versus Dolph Ziggler and Bob Rude, which was okay. Which was b- was basically a nothing match. Uh, Lacey Evans and um, Cameron Connors in a squash match, which nobody cared about. And it was not even a match, really. Kaliso and Gulak, which was barely a match. Nobody cared about it. Uh, Nikki Cross and Manny Rose was not even that great. The main event was pretty good. I mean, the crowd was really into it, and that was great. I mean, Roman Reigns actually has fans behind him now. So, which And I said last week, I really wanted them to start building the SmackDown brand around Reigns and Daniel Bryan. They're the two biggest guys on the, sh- the show, I think. And they've been the two best guys consistently. And, um, I mean, they might be doing that because – it looks like Nakamura and Daniel Bryan are going to have a program for the uh, 
Uh, is he the U.S. champion? No, he's in Crown champion. Yeah, that's right. I can't remember. Uh, these secondary belts that don't mean a thing. Uh, so Nakamura is the Intercontinental Champion. So uh, Daniel Bryan is going to be feuding with him. So that's going to be great. Roman Reigns has been awesome, you know, in his role. And fans are starting to get behind him. So I think they're building around those two. Um, but other than that, though, and like I said, I love the Daniel Bryan segment. But that's two things on the show. Everything else was just nothing. It was a lot of video packages and backstage, you know, segments, the the Lesnar King Velasquez stuff, you know, took up a couple of segments on the show. It was just nothing. I, I don't I can't give this, you know, good grade. I gotta give it like a if I'd have grade it, I'd give it a C minus. And that, I think it's being generous because there wasn't really anything good on the show. There wasn't anything that was just like flat out horrible per se. Uh, I mean, I've seen a lot worse. It wasn't, you know, Rusev, Bobby Lashley on Raw or, you know, you know, burned to the Firefly Funhouse or anything. It wasn't that bad, but it was just nothing. It was boring. Just not a fun show. Like, you know, in contrast, NXT and AEW are putting on these awesome wrestling matches. They're a wrestling show, yet they still have cool segments like the Jericho Cody Rhodes, you know, brawl with the inner circle and, you know, the Cody Rhodes team. I mean, that was awesome Wednesday night, but they still did a lot of wrestling on that show and made it entertaining. This show was a lot of nothing and a lot of nothing wrestling. So just a very boring show this week. We'll see where they go next week. I just don't have faith. Like I said, WWE products are stale right now. They've, they've changed the aesthetics. They've changed how things look, but it's still the same. And it's you know maybe even worse than it was before because Raw is starting to get good at one point, but it's just kind of falling off the wagon and SmackDown on Fox. We'll see how these FS1 numbers do as well. Cause I forgot to mention this was not on Fox. Like it normally would be uh, because of the world series. So that's going to take away viewers and it's on FS1. So it's on a different program. We'll see if the fans even follow it here. I'm not sure. We'll see what the rating is this week, but that was SmackDown. Nothing really happened. So C minus for me. Um, anyway, thanks for you know listening you guys. Um, We'll, uh, like I said, we'll see what happens on Raw the coming, you know, week, and uh, we'll see if they can turn this thing around. But I don't have much faith in it. Uh, but if you want to follow us, we're a little bit more exciting, I think, than uh, WWE. Share this with your friends. Basically, anywhere you can listen to podcasts: iTunes, Spotify, Radio Public is the one we post on uh, Facebook. Uh, so make sure you follow us on Facebook to get you know updates. We're at Wrestle Life Radio on Facebook and Instagram. Wrestle Life Pod on Twitter, so make sure you follow us there. Share our posts, share our shows with as many friends. If you like the show, you know, leave us comments, send us questions, anything you want, and we'll we'll get you know we'll address you. Um, we'll I mean maybe we'll have a mailbag or something that we could uh, start answering questions if you have questions. Um, but keep listening, keep sharing. We really love doing this, so uh, we want you guys to be engaged with it as well. And as far as us, the crew, you can follow me on Instagram at Kyle you can follow Matt on Twitter and Instagram at Wrestle Life Matt. And you can follow Chris on Twitter at Wrestle Life Heel because he is a heel. But thanks again for joining us this week. A lot of, a lot of shows going on. It's an exciting time in wrestling, at least for uh, AEW and NXT. Also, I want to point out WWE 2K is horrible, like I was thinking it was going to be, which is basically WWE in a nutshell. Uh, so don't go buy that game. And that is my mini game review of the week. So thanks again, folks, for listening. We'll be back next week with another SmackDown review. Be back Monday with a Raw review. So uh, stay tuned and 
We'll see you later.